Chapter 11 of The Fairy Spinning Wheel and the Tales It Spun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anthony Gerges. The Fairy Spinning Wheel and the Tales It Spun by Catul Mendez. Translated by Thomas Yontre Vivienne. 1855-1925. Chapter 11. The Lame Angel. One summer's morning, the son of the king of the Pale Islands was walking in the snow, for in that country it snows even in high summer, the flakes coming down in full view of a warm sun and turning as they fall into jasmine blossoms and lilies. While thus walking, the prince saw on the ground before him something glittering like pure silver, and trembling gently like a harp-string just touched by the fingers of a musician. If it had been smaller, this glittering, trembling thing might have been a dove's wing covered with pearls of dew. But being as large as it was, and with the tips of its feathers still tinged with the lovely blue, it had doubtless gained in sweeping through the skies. It could be nothing else than an angel's wing. On seeing it, the prince became very sad. Here, he thought, is a pinion that has been wrenched from some divine messenger. Perhaps it has been lost in a battle with some dark spirit. Perhaps it has been blown off in some gust from the underworld. Or perhaps it has been cut from him as a punishment for some crime committed against the rulers of heaven. Whatever may have been the case, there is no doubt the poor angel must be in great trouble over his loss. No longer could he fly with the rest of his brothers, being now unbalanced and lame. For surely, the prince went on thinking, he must be lame, since angels are not bodily creatures, but are simply souls with wings, and therefore could not be lame of foot, but must be lame of wink. In thinking of this probable grief of the unfortunate angel, the prince of the Pale Islands felt his compassion much moved, and he resolved to give back the wing of the angel who had lost it. But this was a plan more easily formed than carried out. The chief difficulty was how to find the suffering angels. Paradise is not a place where one can come and go as one might wish. Nor would it do to placard the city walls and all the kingdom, announcing that, if any cherub or seraph had lost the precious object, he might recover the same by applying at the palace of the king. For angels are not in the habit of walking up and down the streets like human loungers. Thinking of these, and of many other things, the young prince was sore perplexed, and he decided that the best thing he could do was to consult with a little sweetheart of his who lived in the forest. Tucking the wing under his arm, he forthwith went to see her and as chance would have it, he met her at the very border of the wood, apparently walking to meet him. Ah, little one, said he, I bring you sad news. What is it? she asked anxiously. See, he said, what I have found. An angel has lost one of his white wings. She blushed, but did not seem surprised. You would have almost have said, in fact, that she was already aware of the unfortunate accident. And when he added, I have resolved to give it back to him, she lowered her eyes and blushed the deeper. Now then, sweetheart, said he, you are the only one I know of who can tell me just how to manage this. You are so pretty and so innocent that the celestial spirits meet each day in your thoughts and lodge each night in your dreams. It seems to me impossible that while listening to them both day and night, as you surely must, you have not heard them speak of what has happened to one of them. Alas, said she, I already know as much of the accent as I possibly can, for it is none other than my guardian angel who has thus lost one of his wings. What? cried the prince. Your guardian angel? What a singular coincidence! But tell me, please, how this unfortunate loss came about. It was by your fault, I assure you, said the little maiden. Do you remember that walk we took the other evening under the orange trees? That evening, I mean, when we thought that the stars looked like golden fruit? 
Remember it, cried the prince. How do you think I can ever forget it? It was on that evening that you allowed me for the first time to kiss you. Since when, by the way, my mouth has been perfumed as though I had eaten roses. Yes, she replied. It was on that evening you kissed me. But while to me and to you that kiss might have been sweet, it was cruel to the angel who followed me among the orange branches. At that moment that you kissed me, one of his wings fell from him. And why? asked the prince in amazement. Because, answered his sweetheart, the law among the guardian angels is that they must be the first to suffer for any errors or mistakes or indiscretions committed by those over whom it is their duty to watch. What an unjust law, said the prince, and how your poor maimed angel must have suffered. More than you can imagine, she replied, ashamed and hurt, unable to return to the skies even if he dared to. He does nothing but weep and sigh. As for me, I can scarcely sleep at night. However greatly I might wish to dream of you, so much do his lamentations keep me from closing my eyes. Very well, then, exclaimed the prince. Nothing remains but for us to give him back his wing. I do not see how I can repent for what I have done, but I would willingly find out any way by which the fault might be repaired. I think there is one such way, said she. Let me know it at once, then, he cried. What we must do she said, and she spoke so low that he could scarcely hear her. What we must do is to restore things to the exact condition in which they were before we took the walk under the orange trees. My guardian angel lost his wing because I received your kiss. He would regain his wing, no doubt, if... If what? exclaimed the prince. If, she whispered. If I gave the kiss back to you. And so she did, and as she did so, there was a movement in the branches behind them. It was the angel who flew upward, joyfully flapping his wings. Only those two wings, which had been white, were now rose-colored. End of chapter 11